0: you're listening to the promise church's message of the week we hope you enjoy this teaching by scott mcnamara for more information about who we are please visit us at thepromisechurch.com
1: good morning promise church come on god is good all the time all the time god is good kids you are released or if you're not a kid but feel like a kid you can be released also if you don't like my preaching you can be released also Uh, But hopefully you guys will stay and we'll have a good time, huh? Sound good? Okay, I'm excited because Jesus is in the building. Whenever the Lord is in the place, things happen and people's lives get changed, huh? You guys have just seen some testimonies of people's lives being changed. How did that happen? Because Jesus inhabited that place where these individuals were walking or, or sitting or living and wherever we get close to the Lord things begin to happen man so I believe for some of you here this morning you may be here saying hey, I'm not even interested in Jesus I just came with a friend or family member but I want to tell you he's interested in you so uh buckle up because he's going to get your attention this is what he does he's very good at it so uh relax and prepare yourself to be touched by the Holy Spirit um, I just want to say, just as before I begin, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom, back where I come from. Uh, I have a funny accent. I don't come from Kalama or Woodland, uh, but where I come from, it's Mother's Day. So uh, I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom who's watching. Why is she watching? Is it because it's Mother's Day? No, because she is the Promise Church's number one fan. She, re- she actually is the ambassador for the UK branch of the Promise fan club. Uh, And you think I'm joking, if I miss a a preach, if I'm always speaking somewhere, my mom's like, did you hear Pastor Jonathan, have you heard Pastor Aaron's sermon, I'm like, no mom, so you need to go and listen, so like she's always telling me, you know, she loves our church, and uh, so I think when we move, she'll be coming here, and I'll I'll be somewhere else, but uh, but it's a good job that we're family, and we'll be coming back here. Hey, I have some good news, you want to hear my good news? Okay, I was speaking at a church in in, uh, Hillsborough, East River, we did a little conference there, and the pastor said, I want to bring you back once every year. And I'm like, praise God, then I get to come home to, to you guys, huh? So, so we won't tell him that, but, you know, that's like, uh, it's more of a reason why I'm taking the invite, because then I get to come and see everybody, So, because uh, we're all going to miss you guys, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, and speak to my wife, and she can uh, break the, uh, the news to you. But listen, we love you all, and we are so excited for what Jesus is going to do in this community moving forward, the, the church plant in Longview, man, I'm just so sad. Uh, that I don't get to be uh, part of that but I'm going to be coming home for that coming back to be part of that as much as I can because I believe God is going to do amazing things huh? so I want to just say one quick thing off the back of that I just want to honour our pastors because I don't believe that we honour our pastors enough so Pastor Jonathan will you please stand come on why don't we just honour Pastor Jonathan we love you bro come on And he's the only one I can see, Pastor Casey and Ashley there, and uh, Melissa, Pastor Melissa. Pastor Aaron is on holiday, sunning it up, Um, so uh, have a good time if he's watching, enjoy yourself. But you know, I just want you guys to know we love you as pastors and we celebrate you and honor you. I don't have any problem submitting to my pastors at all. I believe it's uh, it's an honor to be able to have godly men and women that you can come under and say, hey, I want to serve you. So, uh... I love our pastors, I love this house, and I'm excited to be part of this church, huh? Amen. Okay, let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in the building, I thank you that your presence is here, and I ask you, Lord, that you would help me with the time I have to convey what it is you put on my heart. Lord, I ask you for, above all, for your presence to move in this place. Lord, I pray that you would just fall in this place in greater measure, and Lord, no heart would leave here the same but Lord, that we would all be changed in some form, even for those who've known you for a long time. Just do something in us. Lord, a short time, Lord, a moment is all it takes for you to change our lives. So I'm asking you for that moment, Lord, for people in this room who don't know you. I ask you that you give them that moment. Give them that moment of encounter where they can meet you and their lives can be changed. We love you. Give you this time for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to read from John chapter 3. Uh, John chapter 3, following the wild goose. Why did I call my talk that? Am I into ornithology? No, that's bird watching, by the way. Uh, no, I'm not really particularly, but uh, this has been something that has been on my heart. If you know me, you'll know that I talk often about the wild goose. But I want to read to you guys from John 3, verse 8. This is what it says. Let's read it together. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nice short verse. You know, sometimes I make you guys read like, you know, eulogies, like 20, 20, 30 verses. So this is a nice short one for you. The wind blows, because it's so short, I'm going to read it again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So I want to talk this morning about being led by the Spirit, leading a Christian life that is Spirit-led. You know, I know we use that phrase and maybe have a fridge magnet, but, like, I want to make it real. I want to talk about how do we live a life that is led by the Spirit. So, where I come from, I come from Ireland, and, you know, I'm very inspired by St. Patrick. We have St. Patrick's Day coming up, what, like, in Wednesday? It's my daughter's birthday, so that's how I know that one. Uh, yeah, she's a St. Patrick's uh, Day birthday, day birthday, birthday girl. Uh, so, I'm excited for St. Patrick's Day, but maybe not because of some, the way that some American people are. Now, I just have to... Full disclaimer, we're a little confused by this whole thing. We get to uh, America and everybody's like going crazy for St. Patrick's Day. You go in Target, the clothes are there. You know, people are dying, rivers green and milk green. And man, we've like, never seen anything like this, you know. We don't do it. We don't take it to that level. You guys like, you're going next level with St. Patrick's Day, yeah. The, the height of it is a few people go out and drink too much beer. That's kind of about what all we do. So you guys have taken it next level. But I'm really inspired by St. Patrick because... I was inspired by the early Celtic saints. You know, the the early Celtic church, they made a mark with evangelism upon Britain like nobody had ever seen. And they came in a a flood with the gospel and marked people like no one had ever experienced. And St. Patrick was one of those who led the charge there. And they used to refer to the Holy Spirit, they used to call him the wild goose. And the reason they called him the wild goose was because they said he's unpredictable and untamable. Now, these were people who had experience. they lived a life of following the Holy Spirit, you know. It wasn't just like rock up on a Sunday, throw a hand in the air, do the old Pentecostal two-step and leave. Like, they were like full-on living their lives every day, fasting and praying on extended periods of time. They were out every day sharing the gospel. They were living like radical early church kind of lives, you know. And the, the only way they could sum up the Holy Spirit was the wild goose because they said, He's unpredictable and untamable. They didn't know how to how to kind of they couldn't box him in, but they didn't know how to describe him. So they said, "Let's just let him do what he wants to do. Let's let him fly where he wants to fly. Let's not try and uh, you know uh, plan or preeminent or, pre-emin- or uh, what's the word I'm looking for or uh, preordain or pre no, not preordain. What's the word I'm looking for? Predetermine where he's what he's going to do or what he's going to plan. Let's just go with what he's going. Let's just go with where he's going. You know." Often we like to box God in and say, God is going to move this way in a 20, 30 minute service. God's going to, you know, a lot of churches, ours is a lot more free, praise God, but there's a lot of churches like, Jesus, if you want to move, you've got like 20 minutes to do it. Otherwise, we're moving on, you know what I mean? But the Holy Ghost, you know, the the wild goose, he's like, man, I'm going to move where I want to move and you're going to follow me. Like, I'm not following you, you're following me, yeah? So they understood the principle of this. They understood that when they lived their life, they've got to follow him if they want to see things happen. So they began to let him lead the charge. You know, where uh, uh, geese, like uh, other birds, but geese, they fly, when they migrate, they fly in a V formation. You know, have you ever seen that image of like, you've got the, the, the bird at the front and then the rest of the, the birds behind. And they do that because they're drafting. What they're doing is they're conserving their energy. And scientists, they reckon that up to half of their energy is conserved by flying in a V formation. And what happens in that, in that way is that the bird at the front takes the hit. So the bird that's in the front is the one that's got to carry all the weight, really, and all the pressure and all that energy has to be exhausted from the bird at front. But he wants to be the bird at front. You see, he's not intimidated or afraid of your situations or your circumstances. The Holy Spirit says, Let me lead you. I can handle the wind that's coming ahead. I can handle what's ahead because I orchestrate the wind. The wind is at my bidding. You know, what the what the guys would do, the early Celtic saints, they would fast and pray. For extended periods of time, they would get in a boat with, a, with a, a sail and no rudder. And they would say, Holy Spirit, manipulate the wind accordingly to where you want our boat to go. That is how much faith they had in the Holy Spirit, like no, no, uh, no rudder. So just a sail, but no rudder. And they'd say, just let us know where you want us by taking the wind in our sails and moving our ship according where you want us. And they would land at a certain area, preach the gospel, and bring a revival to that island and then move on how often do we live lives like that where we say holy spirit here's my boat the boat of my life you take me where you want to take me I'm not I'm not gonna have a rudder you know I'm just gonna let you do it you know often we have the direction of where we're going we're like tomorrow I'm going here I'm gonna do this this is where my life's gonna be in 10 years time what if we said holy spirit hey I'll tell you what I'll have the sail that you can capture that you can uh, you can fill but I won't have the rudder I'll let you be my rudder. I'll let you be the one who directs where I'm going to go. What if we live lives like that? I think we would see things that are a lot more exciting. huh? So I want to share with you a story in Scripture where I believe uh, we saw just that. We, we saw a moment that could have easily been slipped away. It could have easily been snatched away. A moment that this, this man of God accepted the invitation. He took this moment, this opportunity, but he so easily could have missed it. We're going to read from Acts chapter 9. Uh, verse, I think we have verse one, to, verse ten. Okay. So just a quick backstory: the, uh, the the Apostle Paul, who used to be called Saul, he was going round, he was killing Christians. You guys know the story. So this was the most feared man in Israel for believers yeah if you're a believer if you're part of the way is what they used to call the early church the way if you're part of the early church this is the man you didn't want to be around he was like a murderer he was imprisoning Christians so you want to get as far away as you can far away as you can from this guy however the Holy Spirit wanted to get close to the guy not far away you know we get in a difficult situation where I get me away and the Lord's like get me in which is why if you're going to follow the wild goose, you're going to be willing to get into some sticky situations and trust that he can get you out of it, yeah? So we're going to pick it up from here. This is what's going on. The church is being persecuted by a man called Saul. He's killing everybody. And then uh, we'll pick it up from here, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Who likes visions? We're, We're all into visions, huh? Everyone be the front of the line for some visions. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, my favorite word in the English language, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales, fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, he was baptized, and after taking some food, regained his strength. So what you've just read here is probably the most seminal, monumental moment in church history by the death, uh, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Like in church history, it don't get bigger than this. Saul, the murderer of, of the church, is out there killing, slaying Christians. He's out there like just wiping them out, imprisoning them, like, like the worst of the worst, yeah? And he's like the Hitler of the day. He's out doing that. And there's a man at home having a, who has a vision. Now, we all pray, hopefully, maybe some of us have had visions. You know, we're cool with that kind of stuff, yeah? But when it comes to doing it, it's a little different, Luke chapter 5, we talk about the multitudes gathered. We read the multitudes gathered to hear the word from the Lord. You see, Christians, we like to hear. We're great listeners. We like to come and hear the word of the Lord. However, not so many like to do. In the book of James, we read, make sure you're not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Otherwise, it's like looking at your face in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. The Lord's looking for some doers these days, not just hearers. So what the man did what Ananias did? is he heard from the Lord. He heard the Lord speak to him and give him a commission on where to go. Now he's nervous. He's like, "Man, this is totally out of my depth. No one's ever done this before. This guy's going to kill me." He didn't know the, the other piece of the story. You see, only the wild goose was ahead of him. He knew what was coming because he'd taken the hit. He'd know, he knew exactly how it was going to look. But Ananias behind, he didn't know what to expect. All he could see was the back of the Holy Spirit but he went in faith, and when he got there, by faith, he got to witness the greatest miracle in church history. He got to see the man Saul becoming poor. He got to see that moment of transformation, the scales fell up his eyes, I believe that's physical but also metaphorical, you know, Saul, the scales fell, that murderer became a brand new man, he was blind, now he can see, and he became the man who would spearhead Christianity throughout this world. Come on, praise God. That is a good day, huh? That's a good day. Now, Ananias, he's not like a Christian celebrity, as far as I'm aware. I didn't grow up going to Sunday school, and, and the teacher said, "Hey, who do you want to be, Scott, when you grow up?" I'm like David, or or someone like that. You know, what I'm like you know uh, David or someone like in the old or Paul or somebody. I'm not saying Ananias. Nobody says Ananias. You know, you like you like shut up. You know, no one's going to say Ananias. Who is Ananias? Nobody's, most people have never heard of him. There is no gospel according to Ananias. Ananias is not a hero of the faith. But I want to tell you this, without that one man's act of obedience, things would look a little different. The, uh, the writer F.F. Bruce, he said this, Ananias has an honored place in sacred history and a special claim upon the gratitude of all who in one way or another have entered into the blessing that stems from the life and work of the great apostle one man's act, one act of obedience, not only changed Ananias' life, but it changed the whole of church history, it changed the whole world, through one act of obedience, you see, I believe this, I believe the Lord is looking around, and he's saying, who's going to follow me, he's looking at believers, sat in church, pews, all over the world, all over America, and he's saying, I'm going to fly, who's coming with me, And he's looking for a people that will rise, and we don't have to. We don't understand how it's going to look. We don't have all the answers. We don't know what's going to happen. It's a step of faith. It's like God, I will go with you. And you know what I love about the scripture is, um, is when we read it, we read this. The uh, Ananias replies to the Lord after the vision. He says, "But Lord." But his response is, "But Lord." How often? Do we have but Lords when the Lord invites us into an opportunity? When he asks us to go and do something for him, but Lord, how many excuses do we have when the Holy Spirit nudges us? We're we're quick with our excuses, but Lord, I've actually, I've got to be somewhere right now when the Holy Spirit nudges you in the grocery store, just share uh, with that person there. Go and knock on that person's door. Go and tell your neighbor about me, but but Lord, I would, but I've got something I've got to do right now. We, we're full of the excuses. We're full of the but-lords. But what does the Holy Spirit respond with? But the Lord. You see, we come with but-Lord. He says, but the Lord. I mean, like, what more do you need, yeah? What more? Like, forget your excuses. You've got the Lord, the Lord, the strong and mighty. He's gone before you. He's leading you. Like, all you've got to do is follow. He's going to take care of everything else. Like, we don't need any but-lords when we've got but-the-Lord, yeah? So we've got to just take, listen and trust and believe That he will lead us where he says he's going to lead us. That's what I'm talking about. Romans 8, chapter 14 says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Who's a child of God in this place? Any children of God? Come on, hallelujah. Children of God, make some noise. Come on. we got some children of God over here. Okay, if you're a a child of God... What are you going to do? You're going to be led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit of God. How many of us are being led by the Spirit of God? How do we be led by the Spirit of God? Well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you a real practical analogy of what it looks like to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, maybe some of you guys maybe have seen this before, but I'm going to do it again because I believe it's really hard-hitting. Imagery is, is, uh, kind of embeds in your mind. When you see something, it helps you to remember. huh? So uh, I'm going to bring somebody up for a volunteer. GC Jeffers, coming up, bro. Okay, so we're going to come up here so you all can see us. So I'm going to give you a, a demonstration of what I believe partnership with the Holy Spirit is. Because if you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a partnership, yeah? So this is how I describe it. The Holy Spirit revealed this to me. A tandem bicycle. Is so this is how we're going to, so Jeff has turned around, bro. So on a tandem bicycle, it takes two to ride. The first person, the person at the front, is called the captain. Everybody say captain. Captain has two jobs. One... Hold the bicycle upright while the one at the back climbs on. Job two, navigate the course. This is the role of a captain. The one at the back, their their role is, uh, their name is called the stoker. And this is official according to tandemology. I studied it. I have a degree in it. Uh, but tandemology, uh, the one at the back is called the stoker. Everyone say stoker. The stoker has one job. Can anybody guess what that one job may be? To pedal. So the stoker climbs on and he has to pedal. Now, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Scott, this is a picture of evangelism. You see, I am the captain, the Lord said, and my church are the stokers. You see, if you can see this relationship, the church, the the believers, the stokers, we don't know where we're going. All I can see is this handsome back. This handsome muscular back is all I can see. And this beautiful non-balding head. (laughs) this is all i see in front of me i don't know where he's going or where he's leading me but however there is a codependency that, that is required for this relationship to work you see if the captain doesn't move if the captain doesn't direct i don't know where i'm going but if i don't move the captain don't move but when i begin to pedal the captain begins to move and then we work in this relationship But I don't know where I'm going. All I know is that he's in front of me. So wherever he goes, I'm going. I take care of the movement. He takes care of the direction. But can you see this motion, this trust fluid partnership? Thank you, bro. That is in motion here. It's a beautiful imagery of what partnership with the Holy Spirit looks like. You see, everybody can move. All you've got to do is just like walk, you know. Everybody can walk, left leg, right leg. We can all move in some way. We don't have to say, man, I can't move until I've been to Bible college. You know, I've got to get my degree and then I'll, then I'll follow the Holy Spirit. You see, often we're at home and we're praying or we come to conferences or come to church and we're crying out for a move of God. But He's crying out for a move from you. All we've got to do is move our legs. If we start moving, something will, is going to happen. If you speak to a lot of our guys here, you know, a lot of their stories came, uh, the reason they're here is because me or, or some in my team, we began to move and open our mouths and say, can I tell you about Jesus. I was in Walmart last night with with my son. He was getting a a gift from my my daughter and, you know, on the clock, didn't have long to go. And I saw this gentleman and I walked over to him and I I tried to share the gospel with him. He says, man, I I don't, never prayed. Uh, Do you believe in God? No, not anymore. Uh, Maybe at one stage, don't believe in God. The church is full of hypocrisy. And he was really hurt, you know. So I began just to share a little with him. I said, can I pray for you? As I prayed for him, the Holy Spirit told me something about his life the Holy Spirit showed me a picture of him as a kid and his, like, uh, a par- one of his parents like leaving him. Somebody, like the Lord showed me, like, I thought it was his mom, but I didn't say, but I-, I felt like it was his mom, but I said someone like, um, it's like your, one of your parents like, uh, who really lo- that you really loved was leaving you and I saw you uh, watching them leave, like you-, you saw them leave. And I had this word for the guy and it was quite a, a profound picture and he kind of looked at me and was like, wow, that's crazy. I got him on Facebook and I, I-, I, went, a- I went home. I then got a, a Jeffrey message, my, my wife, because um, I was preparing for my sermon, and said, hey, this guy's reached out to the Promised Church Facebook and said, you know, he's trying to get a hold of this guy. He can't remember his name, but he's bald and from Ireland. Uh, <laughs> he said, it probably narrows it down to, to a few. So we began, we began texting me and this guy, and this guy said, look, man, this is crazy. You've got to understand what's going on. I've not left my home for like probably three months. I've been off. I just come off uh, uh, drugs and alcohol, and for three months, I've been like just at home, not left. I came out today, like one of the first times uh, I came out of my home in three months, and this happened. It's like, this thing's crazy, man. He's like, you don't understand. I was like raised for amen. Come on, praise God. He said, I was in uh, 43, 43 foster homes growing up. When I was six years of age, I watched my mom leave. I stood there at my window and I watched my mom drive off. He says, I ran down out of the street and ran after the car and I never saw my mom from six years of age until the birth of my first son. Do you see how the Lord has a way of getting people's attention? You see, when we follow the Holy Spirit, when we follow the wild goose, we don't need to worry about what's going to happen. All we're going to worry about is will I go where he's going? You see, when you see him going, you go and you follow. And you just let him take care of the rest, yeah? You trust him to move. One of my favorite stories in scripture is, um, well, let me tell you this one real quick, just just to kind of clarify. So in uh, in Luke chapter 8, verse 44, we read the story of the woman with the issue of blood who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. You guys remember that story? So Jesus is there, and there's a lot of crowds of people around him, and the disciples say, he says to the disciples, somebody, somebody touch me. And the disciples said, Jesus, everybody's touching you. No, there's a crowd around you. Everyone's rubbing up against you, man. And they're like, no, no. Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. I felt the power go out of my body. I felt the power leave me. And and the lady turns around. She says, yeah, it was me. You see, she'd had an issue for 12 years. She'd had a problem for 12 years, hemorrhaging for 12 years. But she touched the captain. She got close enough to the power source to receive her healing. See, all you've got to do is get close to the captain and you're going to get what it is you're looking for. You're going to get a touch of his power because he is power personified. So if you get close to the captain, you're going to get what you need. You're going to get his touch. And this is what happened with the woman. She was healed. Why? Because she got close to the captain. In, uh, in Acts chapter 8, we read the story of Philip, the evangelist. I, I just love this This passage. Not just because he's an evangelist, but I just love how the Holy Spirit leads. I love how we get to experience the Lord moving when we trust him. Uh, uh, Acts 8.29, the Spirit told Philip, go. Again, my favorite word in the English language, go. If you don't go, nothing's going to happen. You know, you can read all the books, watch all the documentaries, go to all the conferences, but until you start going, nothing's going to change. You can talk about what you're going to do for God, how you're going to change the world for God. I remember when I was at my church, uh, I'm being led by the Spirit, okay? It's good because this is the talk, so it makes sense, yeah? Uh, but I remember when I was at my church in Ireland and I went to a, a conference and there was a guy who was quite new there and, and I was on the streets as an evangelist and he came to me and he's all pumped. He's like, man, I'm, I'm new to this church and, and I've got all these visions, man. I want to do all these things for God. He's like, I want to share it with you. I'm like, okay. He's like, what I'm going to do is this. The Lord's told me, uh, I'm going to give you a, he's going to give me a bus. And when he gives me a bus, I'm going to go to all the worst projects in the area, and I'm going to win souls for the Lord. He looked at me all pumped, and he's like, isn't that cool, huh? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking differently to what he's thinking. So I'm like, do I tell him and probably offend him, or do I like, you know, keep quiet? I'm like, no, let's offend him. Because it was in a good way, you know what I mean? So I said, hey, listen, that sounds great, but can I just give you my advice? While you're waiting for a bus, Use your feet. So you're at home praying for a bus and saying, when I get a bus, I'm going to go and change Ireland for Jesus. Well, how about this? Keep praying for your bus, but just go right now because you've got feet that are ready to use, yeah? Go and do it. And he looked at me and he was deeply offended. And he's, and he's probably still offended. He never, he never really uh, um, fixed his heart with me over those years. And do you know what? He never got his bus. You see, I want to tell you this. If you're not willing to go, nothing's going to happen. You see, if you're faithful in the small things, he'll give you the big things. But we've got to be faithful in how we go and show the Lord that we really mean what we mean. The, the, great, commission, uh, the, the great Commission, the Gospel, the word Gospel means uh, good news. What's the first two letters of God, uh, good news? Of good. GL. What's the first two letters of Gospel? What's the first two letters of God. So everything about Christianity is go, 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 which is why I love the word go. Okay, sorry, I'm going to pick it up again here. So uh, we read here, Acts chapter 8, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran, I don't know if we have the whole thing, but Philip ran towards the chariot. Okay, there's, there's two areas of, uh, in the scripture here to, in this passage. Two times the Holy Spirit said go. And he began to go and then the Lord told him run. See what Philip was doing, he was stepping into the, the flow of the, of the Holy Spirit. He was drafting behind the Holy Spirit. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know where he was going. He was letting the captain lead him, but he had faith enough to know that he would trust the Lord. When he gets there, he meets the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian was the treasurer uh, to Candace, uh, the Candace, the Ethiopian queen. Candace was not a name. This is what they called uh, the, the royal um, uh, the royal royal queens they called them Candace so this was kind of the name of of royalty in in the Ethiopian queens so this man was a a server of the queen the treasurer looked after all the money so uh, uh, Philip gets there meets this individual as he's like running so I mean you've got to picture this thing it's crazy like he doesn't know where he's going the captain's like follow me So Philip's like moving, yeah? And by now he's running. Now he's on his way to Gaza, from Jerusalem to Gaza, like probably a desert strip. And he's kind of just running like there's nothing around. And as he's running, suddenly the chariot appears. I mean it's crazy. Like he he didn't foresee that. He didn't know what was gonna happen. But he's got he's running along, and then what happens? There's the chariot. Oh, you've got to be kidding me, really? So Philip keeps running along. He goes over. He thinks, maybe, maybe this could be the, the appointment that God's leading me to. He doesn't know for sure. But he goes over, begins to share, and he hears the individual reading the book of Isaiah, reading the, the, the suffering servant, saying, if only someone could explain to me what this means. Remember Jesus on the road to Emmaus when he revealed the scripture to others. This is the same thing. Philip is on the road. He begins to explain and, and, and the unpack what the suffering servant means, how it was Jesus, how Jesus was the one who came, and he begins to, to reveal this. The man then gets baptized in a puddle of water. He baptizes him. When, when the Ethiopian lifts his head, Philip is gone, transported Star Trek style to Azotus. He, he ends up in a different area. This man, this, this, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch, went on to take the gospel to Ethiopia. From one encounter... One encounter of obedience where the Lord says, go. But he could have said, well, Lord, you know what I mean? But Lord, but Lord, hang on. I mean, I've got a, an appointment here. I've got to meet someone. I've actually got something I'm going on. But the Lord, but the Lord says, go, so you go. So he went and what happened? The gospel came to Ethiopia because of one encounter with one man. This is how the Lord works. I just want to read a couple of real, a couple of real quick scriptures to you guys to just... Just to clarify this. So uh, Exodus 14, 16. Moses and the staff. The Lord said, lift up your staff. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea. And the sea's parted. Do you see the partnership? Uh, We read in scripture there's so much partnership. Raise your staff, I'll part the sea. The Lord loves to work with his people in partnership. There's Even like the feeding of the 5,000. The Lord says... He doesn't say, you know, I'll do it all. He says, uh, you know, you feed them. What have you got? Well, I've got this, this sack lunch here. Okay, here we go. Give that to me. Jesus multiplies it, but he brings the disciples in to the miracle. He works with them in partnership. He gets them to distribute the food. You see, it is a partnership the Holy Spirit's looking for in every area of our life. And we read that right through Scripture. Uh, even the walls of Jericho. Look what happened in Jericho. The walls came down. The Lord said, march around six days. Six days in a circle, go round and round and round. On the seventh day, give a great shout and the walls will come tumbling down. And that's ridiculous. If you, if you think about that with the human mind, if I walk around for six days and then on the seventh I shout, like physical walls will come crumbling down. Like that's, that's, you know, it's laughable. But his ways are not our ways, huh? Our ways are not his ways. So we've got to listen and we've got to follow. And all we need to care about is Where is he going? Where's my captain going? Where's the wild goose going? How can I draft in his slipstream? How can I follow where he's leading? For many of us, we want the whole, the whole, kinda, the whole uh, situation unraveled before we even move. We want the answers. We want to know what's going to happen when we get there. But the Lord's like, man, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Peter with the fish, Luke 5. Go and cast your nets. I've already done it all night. Do it again. What, what was different this time? He went in partnership. You go in partnership with the Holy Spirit, everything changes. I have this analogy I like to share about partnership. When I give my son a present, my daughter's coming up to her birthday on Wednesday. I'm going to give her a gift. She's going to open a gift. Now, I'm kind of getting her into Star Wars a little. My son mostly, but Martha too. She's getting the Star Wars influence going on, so she likes it a bit, you know. So let's say, just as an example, I get like a a Yoda or something, because she does like Mandalorian, baby Yoda. I get a little baby Yoda, and she presses the button in the belly, and Yoda don't talk. He don't do the force and "Eh," and make his little noises. In fact, you want to hear Yoda? I do a great Yoda impression. You want to hear it? Okay. I actually do. Yeah, He calls me, Jeremy calls me Yoda before he knew I could do the impression. It's crazy. It's prophetic. Okay, ready? Mm. Jesus loves you, yes he does. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? It's not bad. If she presses the butt- belly of Yoda, he don't make any noise. Why? Because there's no batteries. So what I've got to do, I've got to take my little screwdriver, I've got to take that compartment off, i put the batteries in, give my uh, Yoda back to Martha, she presses his belly, and he's all singing, all dancing. What we're doing is we're doing... Christianity with no power, with no batteries. And we wonder why there's no power. You see, we're trying to do it alone with no power, but all you've got to do is put the batteries in and you're going to see power. The Holy Spirit is power. If you want to live a Christian life that is full of power, you better live it in partnership with Him. Otherwise, nothing's going to change, okay? You've got to move in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I have some uh, exciting, something exciting I'm going to show you guys. And then I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to show you this and I'm going to pray at the end. But we have a... A video that we want to show you, a testimony video. But I want to tell you how this video came about, real quick. We were filming Tim's, uh, you guys, many of you guys know Tim, and uh, we were filming Tim's video in Portland. His testimony video that I'm sure many of you guys have seen. If you haven't, check out my Jesus at the, the YouTube channel. It's amazing testimony, a uh, journey of a disciple from the beginning uh, to the place where he becomes a disciple, maker, making disciples, and he's doing that beautifully now. Uh, but we, we filmed Tim, and we're out there, we're about to finish. And I look over and I see a gentleman uh, above me. And the Holy Spirit says, go and speak to that guy. So I kind of, by the time I finished talking, I walk over and the guy's gone. Five minutes later, he's he stood right there before me in the bathroom. Uh, waiting to go to the bathroom in, in uh, Pioneer Square. So I began to share with him. The Holy Spirit touched him. He was crying. This was, uh, how many months ago, Sam? August 6th. And now, Sam not only has Sam been transformed, but his mom Carla... Uh, His dad, uh, his sister is also with us today. She's accepted Jesus also. Uh, Welcome, Davina. It's great to have you with us. And we'd like to show you a video of their testimony and show you what can happen when you're being led by the Spirit. Okay, so can we show this?
2: On August 6th, 2020, my life was forever changed. I was raised attending church up until the age of eight when my father left at the age of 13. My father was sentenced to prison for 10 plus years for a string of robberies linked to his heroin addiction. I ran away from home, cousin of abusive stepdad. My grandparents took me in. I started using marijuana, that led to drinking, that led to cocaine, molly, I sold drugs, you name it. I didn't want to expose my heart to anyone Began to get tattoos. I began to make myself unapproachable, so to speak. Intimidating. I am of Nordic descent, so I've learned to worship the gods like my ancestors did, but I've always known there's a higher power. On August 6th, 2020, I was walking through Pioneer Square. I heard this voice with an Irish accent when I noticed a man approaching me he asked me if I've ever seen this picture before and if I prayed a picture of Jesus knocking on the door of my heart he began to share things that no one else knew things about my childhood things I've faced As this man began to pray for me, I felt something I haven't felt in many, many years. It was familiar. I felt his presence. I didn't want anyone to see me crying because in my entire life, I've tried to bury those emotions, but there was something there. I decided to open the door of my heart and follow Jesus for the rest of my life. Later that night, I attended my first New Believers group. This group became a newfound family to me. Two weeks later, I was baptized. I landed a new job. I quit drinking. I quit smoking cigarettes. I quit smoking weed. I wanted life again. I wanted to be happy. So back in the 70's my father led my mother to the Lord, but they ended up so far away from Him. After two months of having a fallout with my mom, I showed up at her doorstep.
0: Thirty years ago I walked away from the Lord and three months ago my son walked through my door and he was filled with light and I knew it was the Lord I wanted to feel that too I wanted the Lord to enter into my heart and he did Sam asked me if I wanted to attend church and I haven't been in church for a very long time I walked through the doors and I knew I was home
2: I hadn't spoken to my dad in about four months he had been weighing heavy on my heart so I went to Chinatown in the slums of Portland, and I went to find my father. He was sitting in his wheelchair, ravished with addiction, not doing well at all. I pulled out the Jesus at the door card. I began to go over the nine steps on that card. Right then and there, he gave his heart to the Lord. Yeah, for
0: over 20 years, I've been far from Jesus. but since my son, my youngest son Samuel came by two days ago, he uh, brought me back to Jesus, you know? (laughs) So, I'm gonna get rid of all my my syringes. I used to shoot speed and whatever else I could get, but I'm not doing that anymore. I'm so tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It's awesome. It's awesome to be free. (laughs) At the meeting last night, I was prayed for. (laughs) And I'm able to walk. I haven't been able to walk like that for 10 years. It's changed my heart. It's changed my desires. (laughs) Those ways are gone.
2: So I was at my mom's one day, and I was visiting her and my sister. My sister saw the transformation in my face. I pulled out my card, and I began to go over the nine steps with her. A weight lifted off of her. At that very moment, she gave her heart to the Lord. One week later, my sister brought her son to church. During worship, me and Scott prayed over him he felt the Lord's presence he began to cry gave his heart to the Lord in just three months the effect that Jesus has on my family and our transformation is just astonishing you know the Bible says you and your household will be saved I can testify wholeheartedly He's saving my family. If it can happen with me, it can happen with you.
1: Come on, give the Lord some praise, huh? Jesus! Come on, amen, praise God, come on. Sam and his mom and Davina. You guys just stand. Let's just celebrate with these guys what the Lord has done. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Come on, man. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just pray your blessing over this family. We thank you for all you're doing in their lives, Lord. Thank you that you're not finished yet, but there are more family members that will be coming in that you are the God who restores families. We praise you. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good, huh? So you guys can see the power of changed lives, but it all came about from the Holy Spirit saying, just follow me, just follow me, just follow me, okay? So I'm going to share one real quick thing, and then we're going to be done in two minutes. I want to share with you just something really quick for people in this room right now, and you may be like Sam or his mom, and you may be far from the Lord, you, uh, you may be in that position like they were in, where you kind of far from the Lord, and you know, addiction is in your life, or, or just loneliness, or hopelessness, or whatever it may be, but we want to give you the chance to meet with Jesus today, so I'm going to share something real quick to you guys, a real quick analogy, just to explain, and, uh, and let you guys understand how this thing works, okay, so here's a little story for you, so there was a man, and this man's name was Simon, and Simon had two kids, a beautiful wife, and lived in a real nice neighborhood, he had a good job, and he lived on a street, and the street was called My Way. And one day, uh, Simon was there and uh, Jesus came knocking on his door. Now, Jesus lived in the street parallel at the top of the hill in a big mansion. It was called One Way, is where Jesus lived. And Jesus came down and he knocked on the door and he came to Simon. He said, can I come in? Can I come into your home? And Simon said, listen... Listen, I actually, I'm really busy right now. I've actually got a lot going on. My life is super jam-packed right now. I don't really have too much time uh, for you and for this whole thing right now, Jesus. He said, but, you know, uh, is it cool if I maybe every now and again I'll, I'll pop up, I'll come up the hill and I'll go over to, to, uh, to one way and I'll come and say hello, and maybe grab a cup of tea. Is that cool if I do that every now and again? Uh, and Jesus said, of course. He says, you know, I would love to spend time with you. Uh, and the man finished by saying politely, he said, Jesus, I want you to know that I believe in you. I believe in you and I believe in all the good work you're doing in people's lives. And Jesus looked him in the eye and said, but you don't know me. As the weeks, months and years passed by, intermittently every now and again, whenever Simon would hit a hurdle in his life, whenever he would hit a crisis, he would take that walk from my way over the street parallel to one way up the hill, he would knock on Jesus' door and he'd say, Jesus, can I come in? And every day, every time he did this, he found the same thing to be true. Jesus was at the top of the window and he was waiting for Simon's return. Even though the days, weeks, months passed, Jesus would wait for Simon to come back to his home for that visit. He longed for that visit. And um, one day disaster struck and what happened was Simon's wife left him for another woman. For another man, sorry. Left him for another man, took the two kids and ran off. And Simon was distraught. He turned to the bottle to try and cure his pain. He began to self-medicate because he was so distraught and felt so lonely. People began to come around and visit, friends, family. They tried to help him and, and tried to, to bring him back to normal, but he wasn't interested. He said, man, my life's, my life's a wreck. He hit the self-destruct button and he felt like his life was just just going to die. It was just going to end. It was going to just go crazy. Then one day he received a letter through the mail. It was from the landlord. The landlord said, you've not paid your rent for six months. You have one week left. And I'm going to kick you out. Simon got on the phone. He called friends. He called family. Will anybody lend me money? Will anybody help me? Will anybody take me in? But nobody would help him because they knew that he would just turn the money, uh, use the money on alcohol or he would wreck their home. Nobody trusted him. He had no other options. So he thought, maybe if I go to see Jesus, maybe Jesus will help me. Maybe he will have a spare room. Maybe I'll even sleep on the floor. I don't care. So he plucked up the courage, he was very embarrassed because it had been quite a long time since his last visit. But he walked up the path, walked up the garden path and up the hill and he went and he knocked on the door of Jesus' mansion. He said, Jesus, and Jesus came running down the stairs like a kid on Christmas Day, waiting to open his presents. He was so excited to see Simon. He said, Simon, I'm so happy to see you. And Simon had his head bowed low. He said, Jesus, I'm so ashamed. I'm sorry it's been so long since my last visit. I've been going through a lot of difficult things. He said, I just have one thing to ask you, Jesus. Could I stay with you? And Jesus looked him in the eye. He was wide-eyed and full of love. He said, no. He said, I'm sorry, you you can't stay with me. And Simon said, But I have nowhere to stay. Could I stay on the floor? I will even sleep on the floor, please. And Jesus just looked at him with eyes of love and said, No. He said, You can't stay with me, but I will come and stay with you. He said, Let me come to your home. And Simon said, No, you don't understand. I'm I'm an alcoholic. I've been, there's pornography uh, ailments everywhere. I've been doing some really bad things. I've been, you know, I've, I've had like hookers in my home. Like, this has been crazy. I could not have you in my home. And Jesus said, it's okay. Let me come to your home. So we came into his home and Jesus cleaned every room out. He, t- he burned things. He, he threw all the alcohol bottles away. He cleaned the whole place out. Jesus went to the landlord and he didn't pay his rent. He bought the deeds to the house. And he came to Simon and he said, Simon, I don't want you to live in my mansion on the hill. He said, I'm going to make my mansion in your home. And I want to tell you this right now. That you may believe in Jesus and you may take weekly visits up the hill to that mansion and you may knock on the door and you may spend time with Jesus uh, intermittently. You may have a little 20 minutes or 30 minutes with him. You may come to church and have that moment, but he wants to make his home in you. You see, because you leave this place, you leave this place, you leave the mansion, and guess what happens? You're back with all the troubles and all the worries and all the addictions and all the pains of your life. But Jesus says, if you will open up and let me in, then I'm going to make my home in your heart. So I want to ask you, if you're here this morning, he's inviting you in to let him make his home in your heart. And all he needs is your permission. All he wants is your permission. So I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to do something brave. I'm going to ask you, after I pray, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in the air if you want Jesus. There is only one requirement, that you'd be willing to let him in and clean you up. I want to promise you, it is the best decision you could ever make. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Two, he rose again on the third day. And three, he stands at your side right now, and he says, come, come, come to me. If that is you, and you want Jesus, you raise your hand in the air, and say, Lord, here's my life. Don't be embarrassed. Just raise it up in the air and say, Jesus, here I am. I want you. Come on, keep it up. Keep it in the air. Don't be embarrassed. He hung on a cross, a shame for you. If you want him, you hold it up and you say, Lord, here I am. God bless you guys. You say, Jesus, I want you. I want to make it real. I don't just want visits. I want you to inhabit me. I want you to live in my heart. So if that's you and you mean it and you're getting real with God right now, that's good. Now stand to your feet. Stand to your feet if you raised your hand. Let's give these guys a round of applause. Come on. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now I want to tell you this. If you can't stand up in a church full of people that love you, you'll never be able to stand out in a world of people that don't, okay? So you've got to make a stand for Jesus, and he wants to fill you with his power. So one more thing I'm going to ask you to do is come to the front, and we're going to pray for you. So you guys just come and line up here on the front. We're going to pray. Just come on down. Let's give these guys a round of applause. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Line up and face me here. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Just come on down and respond to the Lord. Okay, you guys who have come. You just hold your hands out as if to receive his, his love, just as if to receive a gift. You just hold your hands out. Okay. This is a gift from the Lord to you. He wants to give himself to you as a gift. So we're going to pray with our mouths, from our hearts. We're going to say, Jesus. I open the door of my heart to you. And I let you in. I say sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me power to live for you all my days. In your name I pray. Amen. And now we're going to just pray for you guys and we're going to break off some of the things that have been holding you back. Addictive patterns things that are deep hurts, trauma, the things that have been robbing your life. You see, that life that you live in, that house you live in has got messy. Maybe some of the rooms are real tidy, but there's some rooms that are very messy. And Jesus wants to go to work real quick. It doesn't take him long to clean it. And he wants to clean up those rooms. So we're going to pray over you. All you've got to do is let go of what you know to be no good. You've got to give him access to that room. You've been blocking that room off, saying no one gets in this room. Well, you got to let Jesus in. If it means forgiving somebody that hurt you, if you went through some uh, traumatic experiences, you're going to let that person go. You're going to let Jesus in to clean you. If it's addiction, you're going to let him into that room to take all that addictive, uh, those addictions out of you, okay? So we're just going to go, uh, our team is going to come and pray over you. Holy Spirit, come now. Come, Holy Spirit, and set these people free in the name of Jesus. Set them free in the name of Jesus we speak the freedom of Christ over their lives right now in the name of Jesus the freedom of Christ come Lord and set them free come and fill them with your power right now in the name of Jesus fill them with your love fill them with your goodness and I just encourage you guys just relax and give it all to the Lord just give it all to Him everything that is not good in your life let Him take it right now release it up to Him right now in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit breathe your presence Lord Breathe your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Lord, we ask you, increase your presence over these people. Increase your presence. Let them feel your love. Waves of your love, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Breathe on them. Breathe on them. Breathe on them. We break every chain by the authority of Jesus Christ. We break every chain right now. Every chain every mental every mental pathway that has been flooded with depression we speak healing right now in the name of Jesus we come against um, mental health issues right now we come against uh, suicidal thoughts we come against the lies that have polluted your minds right now in the name of Jesus and we speak freedom the freedom of Christ be set free in the name of Jesus be set free all chains be loosed right now in the name of Jesus all chains be loosed of them right now by the authority of Jesus Christ. We declare every chain be loosed over their lives right now in the name of Jesus. Be set free in the name of Jesus. Every chain be loosed. Thank you, Jesus. You've got to release that unforgiveness. You've got to release that hurt. Release that hurt over that person. You've got to let it go. Let it go. Give it up to the Lord. You're not condoning it, but you're saying you take it from me. That deep hurt that you've been holding on to, you are got to let it go. You're like, I've forgotten about it. I've tried to forget about it. But Jesus says, I know it's there. Give it to me. Give it to me in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, break every chain. Every chain over their lives right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We praise you. We love you. Okay, We're going to just continue to minister to these guys. and uh, But I know we're a little over, so you guys stay at the front. We're going to continue to minister. But everybody else, I'm just going to hand it over. Who's going to close up?